Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is it! The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome back to the Fight Night Podcast from TalkSport. I said, welcome back. That's a bit presumptuous of me, isn't it? This might be your first ever time. If it is your first time, make sure you subscribe to the show. You can do it via the TalkSport website, and you can also get it from all your regular podcast feeds. A little bit of a note as well. If you like watching stuff, you can uh, subscribe to the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel as well, because that's where uh, the whole gang provide you with an awful amount of fight sports content throughout the whole course of the week. So make sure you subscribe to the whole lot. Now, on Saturday nights, we sit in the studio, we wax lyrical about all things fight sports, and Saturday night just gone was absolutely no different. Loads of conversations about loads of different things, and the guest list was thick. Uh, and we started with a fight that is coming up uh, in February for us. Dead excited about this. It's a rescheduled fight in the light heavyweight contest. It's two British fighters going at it. Joshua Boatsy is taking on Dan Aziz, and it was Dan Aziz that joined us on the show. 3rd of February, all goes down. It was uh, a fight uh, that was scheduled for pre-Christmas. Uh, Dan ended up getting injured. The fight fell off in fight week, which is really, really upsetting. Obviously, we were dead excited about um, uh, bringing you that fight because the British light heavyweight division has caused a lot of conversation, hasn't it, for a long period of time. We've got a, a, a plethora of top quality talent there. And we wanted them at certain points to get themselves in the ring. We did see Boatsy and Craig Richards at one point, didn't we? And we saw a couple of other fights starting to materialise yep. um, when Lyndon Arthur fought Anthony Yard on a couple of occasions. It, it did start to bubble. And then, obviously, it kind of stopped to touch because other people were going off to fight for bigger bigger prizes. And we can't. We can't. The know. politics of the sport again. What we were talking about earlier. Yes. You know. But for me... The light heavyweight division is is kind of split in two. You've got your top boys, and Baturbiev and Bivol have been the top boys, right? So you put them right at the top of the pedestal. I've always wanted to know, who's the cock of England? Who's the cock of Great Britain? Who's the main person here? And I think once we do that, then we'll get determination of who can then go on and challenge someone like a Bivol. And I know mm. that Callum Smith is fighting tonight against Baturbiev. He's earned that, right? Because he became the WBC mandatory. And he is a former world champion out of all these guys. He's the guy that has been former world champion, albeit at super middle but I still need to see all these lads have a bit of a tangle together and I include Anthony Yard in that listen we've got Callum Smith we've got Anthony Yard we've got Dan Aziz we've got Joshua Boatsy the four names I mentioned there who wins out of all those here's one who, how, how far off is Ben Whitaker from joining that mix 12 months yeah yeah 12 months I think they'll they'll fast track Ben because he's that good yeah, and so, you know, as long as he's active, um, because the inactivities has sort of like plagued him, if I'm honest. He's had a lot of shoulder trouble and he's been sort of like, yeah, inactive. And inactivity is no good for anyone, especially at the beginning of your career. He needs a good year this year. I think, you know, he needs to get firefights in. Mm. He needs to be regular. I think the um, the the matchmaking for Ben Whitaker is really crucial this year, isn't yeah. it? Because he's obviously going into these fights and he knows full well he's too good for whoever he's fighting. So he's he's having that playful, mess about type thing, which, you know, rubs some people up the wrong way, rubs some people up the right way, whatever. But he ends up getting the job done eventually when he switches on. I think when you see real jeopardy in a fight for Ben Whitaker, that's when you'll start to see the very best of him, i.e. when we used to do the thing with Naz. Naz used yeah. to mess about forever, didn't he? And then you put someone decent in there with him, right, okay, I'll switch on now. And yeah. I'll, I'll put a proper party together. And I think you'll get that with Ben. So... 
that the matchmaking for him this year is crucial before he hits this type of level when we get there next year. Absolutely. You know, he needs some tough South Americans that are going to be, you know, that are going to take his shots and come back at him, you know, push him, like make him go to a place that he hasn't been yet. Because like you say, you know, he's a showman and he's been playing around and he's sort of like, you know, He's at a level right now that he's far he's, he's far beyond that. Yes. And so, you know, he's boxing these guys and you go, well, you know, we need to see him in sterner tests this year, for sure, to set him up, you know, so for his development before he goes in with these with these sort of guys. But it'd be interesting to see, because you mentioned Nazim Hamid there. Yeah. And like you say, Naz was like that in the early part of his career and it was showman and it was like, you know, Marmite, love him, hate him, whatever it was. But you look at it and you just go, you know, is he the real deal? Can he fight? And then... He's won the European title, he beat Vincenzo Belcastro, and you go, you know what, this kid can fight, actually. And then you saw him going through, you know, Tom Johnson and all those guys, and you go, you know, where not only was he a showman, but he could actually bite down on his gum shield, and he could grit it, and he could take a shot, and all that. But that's what we need to see from Ben Whittaker. Is he like the new sort of Nassim Hamid? Because, you know, he's got that Hamid-esque sort of thing, you know, where, you know, he is the real showman, he likes to throw shots from angles, etc, etc, but there's a couple of boxes we haven't seen yet that that haven't been ticked and I'm sure we we will get those answers. I mean, I think he's the real deal. Mm. I really do. I think that, you know, I think he's an exceptional talent and I think, like you say, I think that matchmaking is so important with Ben Whittaker. I think that that is is sort of like, they have to get that right Mm. because that's the difference between champions and challengers, you know, about that development stage. Remember Ricky Hatton? Mm -hmm. Ricky Hatton, and he didn't box for the British title until his 25th fight. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. His 25th fight against John Faxton. It, but it, what is, I'm a diff- sa- it is a slightly different time, though, no, isn't it, it? No, it is a different time. But what I'm saying is, it's about the development. What I'm saying is that with Ricky, they sort of, they, they guided... Frank Warren's a great manager, by the way, and great matchmaker. And, you know, he, he recognises where they are or whatever. But what they done with Ricky was they just took their time and when he was ready to go, they let him off the leash and let him went, went on to be a two-weight world champion and, you know... The rest was history. But what I'm saying, is the matchmaking is so important and the development of a fighter, and I think that they have to get that right with Whitaker. I think we've got the man. Have we got the man? He's ready to rock and roll. We found him. We've tracked him down. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, I was getting upset because I thought that it was just going to be, right, oh, he, he only speaks to Spencer Oliver. He don't no, speak to me. Listen, I knew he weren't going to let us down, mate. I knew he weren't going to let us down, you know. He was like, he was no, so no up for speaking to you, Adam. Yeah, when right, I spoke to him in the gym the other day. <laughs> Dan, how are you, my man? I'm good, man. Yourself? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well. I was just talking about our conversation, actually, that we had in the gym the other day. Yeah. When I come down to see you. You looked in fine form, by the way. You look great. You know, ready to Thank go you. February the 3rd. It's going to be a yeah. great all-British showdown one. You know, WBA number one and two, respectively, going in there, going at it. We love all that. Old school yeah. stuff. But, yeah, like, you know, we I was I was telling Adam um, earlier on in the show about the conversation we was having about, you know, Joshua Boatsy was Olympic silver medalist back in 2016 you know you was at a different level he was the like the guy the main man now all of a sudden you know like you you've gone the old school way the hardcore way like you know southern area english british commonwealth european done it on the road and you've learned your yep. trade and now it's now it's one of those fights where you look at it now whereas maybe 18 months ago 24 months ago you'd go you're a million miles away. And now you look at it and go, this is a real 50-50 fight. And I was talking about the psychological side of that, Dan. I mean, explain a little bit about that, you know, how you get over that, how you overcome that, or how you even feed off that, you know? Because when you two go there, he's going to be looking at you and he's going to be going, you know what happened in the sparring. You know, I was the man. I was the man. And you're looking at him going, mate, I know what's going to happen here. I know what's going to happen. So explain a little bit about that. Yeah, like, um, like we spoke um, the other day at my gym, you know, um, I've I know I've got to take myself mentally to a certain place when we get in there, and um, I've already built up a monster um, in my head, and yeah, man, it's just about getting in there and and defeating this monster. And to be fair, every fight, every fight that I have. No matter who it is from when I first started off, the journeyman I was fighting, I always build up some sort of monster in my head. Like I never go in there thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to dust this guy over. I always build like the best version of whoever I'm fighting. And yeah, I've been in there with him um, thousands of rounds. Um, I know what he's capable of. And yeah, I've just got to get my mind ready for what um, the best Joshua um, February 3rd. 
Dan, I want to ask you a question. Let's say you've done a thousand rounds, yeah? Let's say yeah. you've done a thousand rounds with Joshua Boatsy. Out yeah. of that thousand rounds, how many rounds would you say you won? Out of a there, there's, there's a reason. Um, there's a reason for me asking this, by the way. Maybe, maybe two fifty. Right. So, so, so he probably won more rounds than you. A lot more rounds than you. And yeah, hundred percent. We had that. I, damn, we had that conversation, though, didn't we? When I told you yeah. about when I had that fight. Like I say to you, yeah. like where you go, forget that because that's sparring. And that that yeah. was part of your development, but it's about For the sure. psychological thing. How you, how his mindset is going into the fight, and how your mindset is. And if anything, that could be an advantage for you. Yeah, it could do. But I'll be honest with you, the Joshua I know will, will not. He's not that stupid. I'll be honest with you, and he's he. I'll credit to him. He's very professional. Um, he knows how important this fight is for himself as well as it is for me. So. Um, I don't think he'll go in there with the mindset of, oh, yeah, I used to, you know, do this to him inspiring or whatever. I've won this amount of rounds. He will go in there, you know, listen, this is an important fight. Do you know what I mean? Like every fight is. So, um, yeah, I don't think it could it could be an advantage if he fought like that. But I don't I don't see him thinking that way at all. Um, experiencing your personalities as we have done here on TalkSport, you're two proper blocks who were uh, obviously big ambitions in order to try and achieve the very best that you can in the sport. And when the fight yeah. was made, it was very amicable. Everything was, you know, listen, man, yeah, it's business. I'll see you in the ring. Yeah. I'm going to go and train. I'm going to go and do my thing. Obviously, yeah. the first fight falls out because of your injury. And then all of a sudden, yeah. we, have the, we have all this tittle-tattle on, on social media where other people are in there with the yeah. staring the pot, mate, making it all a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Has yeah. that has that added a little bit of extra flavour for you uh, come up, coming up to February? Not for me, probably for the fans. Um, but for me, regardless, February 3rd, that's where, you know, it's all going down. Um, it's funny because... I've had phone calls and people are like, oh, did you not call each other and and, and plan that? And this, that. and <laughs> no, man, you know, there's certain things that have happened in the build-up to this fight that has probably pissed him off. And there's certain things he's done that uh, might have got under my skin. But again, um, the main thing is February 3rd. Like, we can all talk and say this, that, and the third. But, you know, um, what goes down, whose hands raised February 3rd, that's what's important. Dan, I think it's fair to say that, you know, you were, you know, long-time friends. You go back a long, long way. And now, yeah. really, at, you know, going into February 3rd, you're like friends becoming enemies. How difficult is that to switch? You know, because you like to say, like, you know, after the fight, I'm sure, you know, this ultimate gladiatorial sport, you two will be friends again, lifelong friends again. I'm sure of that. But how, how do you get your head in that space when you know someone like that? Um, do you know what? It's a thing of the only thing that's kind of a bit awkward is maybe like the build up, you know, like when we're around each other or not. But I, I just know once we get in the ring, that goes all out the window. I, like I told you, we sparred so many rounds. We're talking, you know, we're just in, yeah, oh, this happened on the weekend. And da, 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 da. soon as we get in there to spar, all of that's out. Of, and that's just sparring. So imagine what it would be like for a real fight, you know what I mean? And we're so much things are on the line and you know it so mentally i just know it it doesn't matter man like all that it, i don't need to take my self into some crazy realm or whatnot i just know once we step in and it goes ding ding yeah it's game on dan does the winner of this fight for a world title this year yeah hopefully you never know do you know what i mean sometimes um you know we, we've seen already like you know we're a mandatory or someone who's ranked number one is waiting how many years before they fight. But um, the may, most important thing is just getting that win February 3rd and then, we, you know, we can talk about what's after. Now, the week after Dan Aziz and Josh Boatsy throw down, we've got Hamza Shiraz and Liam Williams throwing down. Big test for Hamza Shiraz as he steps up in class, taking on a former world title challenger. He joined us on the show live from LA at the weekend. Obviously, we're uh, heading towards a fantastic fight, uh, second week of February against Liam Williams. 
Uh, dead excited about this. I just want to quickly touch upon your last performance because me and Spence were ringside in Poland for that performance. And I think it's kind of gone a little bit under the radar at the end of year awards when people are talking about performances of the year. There's been some great ones and I don't want to shy away from any of them great ones from other British fighters. Um, but the performance that you put together in that fight uh, against uh, Mitrinov was, without any shadow of a doubt, the best one so far of, uh, of your career. And it shouldn't be underestimated. And it kind of holds you in good stead to take on a guy that has fought for world championships before, of which then might propel you towards a world title yourself in 2024. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It's, it's uh, I agree with what you said in terms of it went under, under the radar. I think the reason for that was because his profile wasn't as big as what it should have been, to be fair. Um, if you look at what he's done, where he's been, uh, part of the um, Ukraine Olympic squad, he's mm. been out been out been out over here as well people over here know about him so in terms of that yeah no it's definitely a great performance and um one like like you just said to put me instead for them world titles but listen the next stop now is obviously uh february the 10th yes yeah, sorry sorry Spence. No. i just want to say is the ear all sorted now because obviously the, the original fight has had to be put back until february because you, you had a, a slight injury there yeah no it's all good now it's all good now i can't complain um i had what I think five weeks for uh, recovery time, and that was more more than needed. Back in sparring, but I got one more week left here before I come to the UK, and that's it. When the when the full swing of things was it perforated? Is that what is that what the problem was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a clean clean perforation. I just got clumped straight on the ear, and that's it. It's one of them things that happens. Yeah. It's part part of the sport. Do you mm. know what I mean, have you had one of them, Spence? I have. Yeah, I have, mate. Yeah. Yeah, with that guy, Patrick Wallings, that I was talking about. <laughs> oh, it's the worst thing. And do you know how I found out? I've got my perforated eardrum. Do you know how I found it out? Go on. I, I was having a bath. I put my head under the water because I, I had this oh. ringing. I had this ringing in my ear, yeah. but I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was just where I'd taken this whack. Yeah. Put my head under the water. The pain. Is it? The pain, mate, was absolutely. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> yeah. So you now I've, I've experienced you've, your pain. You've felt it. I right. certainly have. But Hamza, listen, I want to speak about this fight that you've got here on February the tenth. Um, Liam Williams, tough guy. Been there, seen it, done it. I mean, it's another step up for you, isn't it, before you look to go on and take world honours. What are you expecting from him? Yeah, it definitely is a step a step up for sure, for sure, for sure, Spence. But um, I'm expecting the best version of him. Everyone's writing him off and saying, oh, he's, he's over the hill and whatnot. But you've got to remember, this is his last opportunity. If you look at things and when every every, every fighter I've, I've previously faced, this and they've, they've come on their A game. They've always come on their A game and I expect nothing less so. I'd be, I'd be dumb, I'd be stupid to go in there thinking, yeah, yeah, he's over the hill, I'm going to blast him out and whatnot. I mean, he's only 31 years of age. To yeah, say he's, he's over the hill, hill is like, absolutely yeah, I think, not. yeah, absolutely not. No, I think that that's, yeah, that's sort of harsh and like, like that's, that sort of gives you a full sense of security, really, doesn't it? Because like you say, like he sees this as a big opportunity for himself as well because you're the guy that they're talking about. Like, it's not if you win a world title, but like when you win a world title. So it's a big opportunity for him as well. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And it puts him, a win a win over me puts him on the map, doesn't it? But then mm. at the same time, you've got to look at it from my, my perspective. Also. It's the same thing with me. I can't, I'm not here. I don't come to LA just to go in there and and not not win. I mean, I can't, I can't afford, I can't afford to lose really and truly. That's the truth. Yeah, listen, you said talking about going to LA there. We were talking about that um, a little bit earlier on, you know, about the commitment, having to do that, you know, pack your bags, go out there. You know, it seems like great. You're in LA, the sun's shining, etc. But it is a big commitment, man, isn't it? Like when you're, you know, when you're like in camp, you go there and you sort of like leave everything at home. Like it is, it's very tough. Like mentally, it's very tough for a fighter to do that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially, especially on your bad days. Remember, on your bad days, you come, mm. you come home, you get, you go in your room, and that's it. It's just you, just you in your room. Like there's nothing, no one, no one to really speak to like that. And you just got to kind of crack on with things. Mm. But then at the same time, you just got to have the end, end goal in mind at all times. That's what's helped me. That's what's helped me stay, stay on track and stay focused. Does it give you more drive? Like you know, mm. when when you have those down days, you just think, listen, I'm here for a reason. This is not forever. This is for my future. You know, for my family's future. This I'm trying to secure. That does that give you an extra drive? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Especially when it, especially when it gets tough. You know, I mean, you got to just think like, listen, I'm here. I'm making all these sacrifices. Um, and big sacrifices as well, not even ones where you're just staying disciplined. Like you just said, you're away from home for, what, six six mm. to ten weeks at a time. Do you know what I mean? So it's big sacrifices, money's being spent and whatnot. But then at the same time, it's, 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 it's the life I chose, so I've got to make sure I make it happen one way or another. The matchmaking uh, 
Hamza, has been bang on over the last 12 months in particular. Obviously, we've just mentioned the fight in Poland. This against Liam. Yes, okay, he's fallen short at world level, but he's been in with world level and he's given uh, some serious problems, whether it be at 154 or 160. You come through this, and okay, the, the British scene, I know that we've got Denzel Bentley, I know he's just fallen short against Nathan Heaney in a great fight that we were we were all there. We've got Chris Eubank Jr., of course, who's knocking on the door maybe of a world title shot against someone like a Yannibek and a McCooley. This year is legit, a legitimate conversation that you are in that mix, and more importantly, the preparation for it has been key. Some people get thrown in when you've not had the the tough ones, the preparation fights, the guys that have been there and done it and got the T-shirt. You've actually had the good matchmaking to lend you now towards something really special at the back end of this year. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I agree. I totally agree with what you just said. And I can only thank uh, Frank Warren and Queensbury Promotions for that, for guiding me since I've been, what, 18 years old on my birthday I signed. And ever since then... I've Jeez, 18, man. That, that, that makes incredible. me feel old. That's when it's it incredible, man. Yeah, no, I'm going back to what I was just saying, yeah, just signing on my 18th birthday. What am I, 24 now? Mate. It's gone in, it's gone in the blink of an eye. I know, I know all the boxers, they say it all the time, listen, your career's going to go like in the blink of an eye. And that's it. It's been six years already. It's mad when I speak about it. But yeah, I just got to thank Frank, Frank and the team for that. Hamza, this really is the coming of age fight for you, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, Liam Williams is a, a you know, world, world-class contender. You know, he's been there. You know, we've seen him pushing. We saw those fights with Liam Smith, those incredible yeah, fights he had with Liam Smith. Like, and Eubank, you know, he's been he, with you Bank as well. Yeah. yeah, he's proven. So this really is a coming-of-age fight for you, isn't it? Because come through this, that puts you in that category. That puts you there. You're knocking on the door for world titles, etc. Probably sometime in 2024. Yeah, no. Yeah, million percent. A million percent. It's, I got, if I go in there, do what I've got to do and put on a great performance and... And and just shine, listen, it'll like you like you boys just said, it will put me in that in that in that top league of one sixty fighters and twenty twenty four could be the year of world titles. What are his strengths? What does he what are the challenges that he brings you on February tenth? To be fair, he, he he's strong. I think if if you see all his fights, they're they're practically all the same. He's strong, he's rough, he comes to fight, you know, he ain't taking a backward step. Um and I just gotta be prepared. <clears throat> I've got to be prepared for all of that and that's what that's what I've been doing here. So it's got the ingredients to make a great fight and definitely a barnstormer for sure. Just just finally, before before we let you get on uh, with the rest of your day in LA, my friend. How tall are you? Six four. Right. Exactly. How, six, how four. on God's green earth? One, are you making <laughs> one sixty? Right. And how once upon yeah. a time did you hit one fifty four, bro? That is just well, one, one, that's listen, insane. Listen, one one fifty four was a myth. I don't know how I done that myself. Yeah, mate. Uh, one sixty eight easier. That's not easier. I but, need your diet I, plan. I, 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 do you know? What, I need the diet plan. That's I, what I need. Mate. I want to add to that question as well. <laughs> I, I, how do you fight so well on the inside, being six foot four? Mate. But like you know, Callum Smith. We're talking yes. about Callum Smith and the way that he works. Hamza's one of those. It's like you you seem more comfortable up close than you do at distance even which is weird for a guy that's as tall as you are yeah no in my first, that's what that's what coming over here was one of the main kind of key aspects of of learning the inside game and while i was doing that i kind of uh, neglected my, my my long boxing ability so now i've kind of brought it back and mixed the two and use them when, when i need to it's all about like it's been a great fight you've got to find the balance at the end of the day but listen fighting close i mean it's 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 uh, definitely more entertaining. I do definitely prefer it. Now, this week, we are in Liverpool to bring you Natasha Jonas versus Michaela Meyer. There's going to be an interesting observer ringside. That's right. Welsh fighter Lauren Price will be there, not only to support her partner, Caris Hartenstall, who's also on the card, but she will have one eye on that main event because she wants a shot at a world title this year as she tells you herself right now. Listen, you just said it yourself there. You want the winner of next weekend. So have we got the have we got the hotel books? Have we got your ticket books? Are you going to be up on the train? You're going to be in the arena next weekend? Yeah, I'm actually going to be on fight week because Karis uh, is on the card as well. So I'll be heading down from Sheffield uh, with her on Wednesday. So yeah, I'll be right in the mix, you know, you keeping my eye on... You see what she's done here, right? Like, Karis is on the card. She's going to be <laughs> yeah, doing thing, right? yeah, exactly. So we're not just turning up on fight night, right? We're going to cause mayhem all week is what she's, what she's planning on doing. Absolutely. You know, and, and so she should as this well. Is, you this know. is out of the Spencer we're, Oliver way we're, we're of picking talk, fights. This we're is talking the, this about is a young lady here who's had six fights as a professional. Mm. And she's talking about, you know, Michaela Mayer, Natasha Jones. They've been around a long time. You know, they, they, they've developed along the way. They've won world titles at different weights, etc., etc. But... 
Lauren Price is like, she was an elite level amateur, mm. Olympic gold medalist, you know, six fights, and she's ready to take that step. And she's good enough to take that step as well. So, yeah, rightly so. So you're going to be causing trouble all week, are you? Well, we'll see. Um, put, put it this way, I'll be sat ringside uh, to watch our main event. You know, I think it's a great fight. i got respect for both girls, for what they've done for boxing in general. But, um, yeah, like I said, going into 2024, I want to be involved in them big fights. I believe, you know, like you said, I've had my run out as a pro now. And uh, I just want to get stuck in and go for them titles. Lauren, you're you're the quiet one out of the two, aren't you? I think it's Karis that would be the one that's causing havoc or whatever. You're pretty laid back. You're you, you're you're the girl that just sort of likes to do the talking in the ring. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm laid back. Karis is more of a feisty one. I got older back sometimes, but uh, yeah, it, it you know it works for the pair of us. But like you said, when I when I get in the ring, then you know. Back to the game plan and let my fist do the talking. What, what are you expecting from Michaela Mayer and Natasha Jonas? Who do you expect to win that fight and how do you see it going? Do you know what? I think it's um, a 50-50 fight. I can't really pick a winner yet. Mm. I think, obviously, it's interesting to see, obviously, Mayer's moved up. This is the first time she's fighting at 147. Uh, you know, looking at her as a boxer, I think, you know, it, it, what she's good at is, you know, that front foot pressure, um, constant, you know, in your face on the front foot, and then obviously you've got Jonas as well. You know, um, who's a great southpaw, good backhand, great boxer. So yeah, I think it's a fifty-fifty fight. But with it being in Liverpool as well, um, mm. for me, if I had to pick a winner, I'd say Jonas. And if you ask, if you had to ask me who I'd want to win, I'd say Jonas as well, just because you know I like that. I'd like to fight her. I think it'd be great for you know the British public as well. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited. I mean, you talk about Michaela Mayer and her style there, where she likes to press her, like all-American all style, really, where they come forward and she, you know, she's got a high work rate. But do you think that could actually be her undoing? Because Natasha Jodis is a stylistic southpaw. She's got a good backhand, but she's got a brilliant right hook as well. And for Michaela Mayer, who sort of walks forward in, in straight lines and that all-out aggression, do you think that could be her undoing? Yeah, it could be. Like I said, obviously, you spoke about it there, Tash got a great backhand, good southpaw. Um, and like you said, I, th I think obviously Michaela's going to try and, you know, force force the pace as well. Um, overall, we've seen a box at the lighter weights and that's worked for her. So who knows, you know, it's a big question mark. If she put, you know, moved up bigger, fighting against bigger girls now, can she, can she still force the pace? So I, I guess we'll find out on the 20th. But overall, I think it is a very exciting and good fight. And um, yeah, I can't wait to be there ringside. Uh, Lauren, from your from your own point, uh, personal point of view, um, how excited are you at that challenge of that level? And the reason why I say this is, you, what what have you had now? Six, seven fights as a uh, uh, six fights as a pro, right? Yeah. So you've come through six fights as a pro. And what and one of the things when I speak to people about you is, listen, technically beautiful, really good shot selection. The finishes aren't there. And the argument that yeah. I throw back with that is, well, when you watch the fights, after about two rounds, the opponent shells up because they know that they're getting outclassed and therefore they don't take risks and they don't present opportunities in order to present the stoppage. Now, the reason why I'm asking you about the thrill and the excitement of wanting to step up in class and fight someone that, for example, like Natasha Jonas, you know full well that she's going to have a go and therefore the opportunities will present themselves to you in order to be able to get those eye-catching moments. Is that one of the things as well that excites you about stepping up in level? Yeah, definitely. You know, I had this conversation with Rob, you know, Rob McCracken, and uh, Matrina, and he said, like, obviously starting off, um, you can see, after, even if I faint sometimes, you know, leading off after round one, mm. I, I can see the girls, you know, I'm, as an amateur, I was used to them coming towards me to fight on the back foot. Whereas, you know, as a pro, I know it's different. I got to go to them. But when I, you know, my speed and my feints, I think I throw a lot of people off. And I think obviously at that certain level as well, I think obviously girls are, you know, you can see them as the fights go on. They do cover up on that. And I want to be involved in their big fights. Um, Rob said to me, you know, when you, when you step up in class, then there'll be more openings there. And I love... I find it hard sometimes because I find them not even throwing at me. So yeah. I'm leading mm. off all the time. I mean, you touched, and, um, you touched on something there when you said, you know, that 
you know, when the girl, you, 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 as an amateur, you used to the girls coming at you, and so you was boxing on the back foot. But as a pro, you've had to go to look for them. And like, it's the, and and Adam touched on a thing there. He says, yeah, but when you step up that level, them girls will come to you, and that's that's the level that you're sort of getting at now. But the reason I say that is because you've got that adaptability. You could box on the front foot and the back foot, and that's really, really important as you move through the levels. Yeah, I think, and obviously, like each fight. When I first turned over, my first professional fight, I moved around the ring quite a lot, you know. Um, and I am slowing down a little bit. And each fight, it does, it is getting better. And I do think, you know, as time goes on, I will season into a great pro. Um, you know, we've seen in the likes of obviously Katie Taylor as well. She took a while, you know, yeah. to kind of settle down and stuff like that. But each fight, I'm growing more confidence. And in my own head now, I believe, you know, I beat anyone at 147 as I am now. But in time, when I'm seasoning to a great pro, you know, I think it's going to be very hard and for, for, for me to get beat, you know. Um, I believe in, in myself and it took me to the, the top, you know, as an amateur and I believe I could go to the top as a pro. I want to win multiple world titles at different weights and, uh, you know, I want to become a Welsh legend and follow it, following the footsteps of uh, Joe Calzati. I think it's going to happen. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. And one thing as well, Touching upon all the things that we're speaking about right now, we we were ringside for uh, the Silvio Boitor uh, fight um, on the Billum Smith undercard, and to have the mental discipline when you're obviously visually getting a little bit frustrated because she's decided not to fight you properly, to keep that discipline, to keep on the game plan, to keep delivering what Rob's telling you to deliver, only holds you in good stead going forward for when the big ones do come. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a big thing, you know, that what, when I train, you know, it's always about, in this game, it's always about your defence. And I think if you watch a lot of my fights, I don't get caught very often. Um, I don't I think I've ever seen you get caught, Lauren. Has anybody ever touched you yet <laughs> so far? I don't think they have, have they? Well, you know, it's and I know obviously it just takes one shot in yeah. this game. And uh, that's one of the big things I do work on is, you know, my defence and um, being switched on at all times. You know, it's just as much, you know, mental as it is physical. Mm. Yeah. And I think, obviously, you know, if I can go in there and dance round for 10 rounds, all right, I might not get them out straight away. But, you know, I want to be in this game a long time. And, um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm I'm working with Rob all the time, week in, week out. He knows the game, you know, he's he's worked with Frotch, he's worked with AJ. Yeah. He's took them to the top and I trust in him. And, he, you know, he's saying to me, you know, I can go all the way. I can follow in the footsteps of Katie Taylor and that's what I want to do. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now, if you're an NFL fan, I'm sure you're across all the playoffs building up towards the Super Bowl. Well, in Super Bowl week, Tiafimo Lopez will be back in action. February the 8th, Thursday night, Las Vegas, he'll be fighting against Jermaine Ortiz. He joined us on the show at the weekend to preview that fight and to tell us about how big 2024 is going to be for him. 
say it like this, plain and simple. This is the super fight of the takeover. This is where we start everything and where we really amp it up for the boxing world and we shake it up again like we've done with the Taylors, with the Lomas, and a little bit of the Camboses. Now we shake it up again in my term, in my own way. So, you know, um, I'm very I'm very grateful. I just want to say thank you to Bob Aram, Todd DeBuff, the visionary of boxing of top rank, you know, and also I, w- I just want to thank ESPN for the beautiful platform and everyone and all my fans out there in the UK, you know, and all Europe too. You know, I'm so, I'm so honored, you know, it's great to be back in this, in this, um, in this time now, you know, fi- facing a fighter that I, I fought in the national golden gloves in the yeah. finals, you know, so in the finals, well, a lot of people don't understand USA boxing. This is one of the biggest, if not toughest, outside of the Olympic trials tournament in all of amateur boxing. So I'm not facing no chump. I'm facing the guy that was, that was in the finals with me. So this is a great, great showdown. I I believe everyone should be there and their grandmother, you know, and, and, and honestly witness some greatness stuff right here. We both know each other from that, from that time. I was 17. And now at 26, you know, let's see what else has he learned, what I have learned through the pro ranks. And, um, you know, look at it like this, Mandalay Bay Resort World. I mean, Mandalay Bay Resorts Casino, you know, Michelob Ultra Arena, you know, where there's 12,000 people in attendance. Uh, Super Bowl weekend. They're going to have the NFL experience there at the Mandalay Bay. They're going to host it. I hope that you're there, Adam, so you can Try win it. some more greatness. Try it. Listen. You know, every single time we try, we try our very best to get in there because there's something special. I've I've been lucky enough to see you do it in New York. I won't forget when you uh, it was you and um, my man with the glasses and the and the nice curly hair. Yeah, I was watching me and Edis Tatley fight, and you guys were recording it. And, that's right. And, you know, and and I I just love the way you guys had that reaction. He's like, oh, that's it, that's it. Oh, <laughs> wow. You know, beautiful body shots and stuff, and and. You know, I look to present myself that way. You know, I think that, you know, along the marriage part, along the the journey, I had to go through hard hardships to now be who I am today. You know, and and I think that's the beauty of life, is it not? The beauty of life is teaching you experiences and lessons. Nothing more, nothing less. That's all it is. In that journey from 2015, since you were last in with Ortiz, to obviously this point now, and you're a very different cat now. Obviously, I, I saw some pictures the other day of when you two were facing off for the Golden Gloves and your babies, man. You're very young guys yeah. in there. Obviously, you look fresh-faced, <laughs> clean-shaven, looking all young, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, so, but so much has happened since then, professionally and personally, of course. You're a completely yes. different guy, even though you're still only, only 26 years of age and achieved so much. At, at 17, did you believe by the time you would hit 26, you would be... A two-time Ring Magazine champion, undisputed at lightweight. Obviously, taking on the guy that was the guy at 140, beating that guy, beating previous champions and the likes of Richard Cumming. Most of this stuff happens for a lot of people as they hit 27, 28, 29, 30 years of age. In their prime, right? <laughs> you've you've already done it pre-prime. Did, did you believe that that was already... At that time, at 17, did you think, I'm going to turn pro and that thing's going to happen? I knew one thing and one thing only from all of this was this. When I turned pro, I knew I'm finally home because the amateurs are very hard for me. My style is not of amateur like it's more pro style like. And I think that was the only thing that I could say that I knew I was going to be okay was because now I'm finally home. Now I'm finally in a place that will fit my style. I'm finally in a place that will fit my IQness. You know, and and that is the most important thing in the sport of boxing is your IQ, what's your level at, the challenges that you take, the risks that you go after, you know, and and that's the most important part that I actually want to educate the next generation that, that follows is if you really want to show the world how great you are, you must step up to the plate every time. And no matter if you believe in yourself in those moments, just take it because it's meant for you. You know, and, and I'm I'm going after stuff like that, stuff that my eyes cannot even see, you know. So and and, and, and that's really what. But do I believe that I was going to be all of this? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I took the chance. And that's all you need in life is to mm. take chances. Well, it's interesting you say that. Is that why then 
we're still in that momentum. And that's why we're hearing you call out people like Terence Crawford, for example, this week. Is, is that... You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> you damn right. And they're going to get this. They're going to get thunder and they're going to get lightning. So they, and you know what I'm saying? And then we put them together, we're going to give them a sonic boom. So it, it just goes all in, con in conjunction, man. And I'm so grateful because that's how we get bigger fights. And that's how we get the best fighting the best. You got to get guys like Teofimo. Man, they got to make more of me. They should clone me more out there for the sport of boxing so that we could keep this amp. <laughs> you, see, you see, people who watch and listen to this interview, and they'll hear me say Teofimo calls out uh, Terence Crawford. And then automatically... Automatically, the thought process is, oh, that's crazy. He's 140 and there's plenty of fights for him. But listen, when you actually sit back and think about that call out, it makes an awful lot of sense. Because as fight fans, we want to see the best guys fight the best guys. We want yes. to see the biggest challenges in the world. And when you think of years gone by and the great fights, you think of lineal champions from one weight division challenging another lineal champion from another weight division. The Durans against the Leonards, for example. And you think about you being the one at 140 and him being the one at 147. Yes, there's fights at 140, of which I would love to see, and I'll get to them in a minute. But if you if we can make Teofimo Lopez versus Terence Crawford this year, that's a super fight. That's like that's like generational. You know what I'm saying? And then and then we're gonna keep going. You know what I'm saying? We don't stop here. You know, Terrence Crawford is not the next guy. No, we surpass Terrence Crawford. We move on to the next. You know what I'm saying? This, But right now is, like I said, my objective is this. It's the most important fight of my whole entire career. Scratch off the Taylor, scratch off the Loma. It is Jermaine Ortiz who is next. And that's my main guy that I got to focus on because none of this even matters if I don't, you know? Mm. You know this. However, however, I have to start rolling that ball to have folks like yourself bring that up and understand what it really means. What is the definition of boxing? The best facing the best. Regardless of the outcome, we need to see two pioneers face always. And that's the only way we get to save our beloved sport. The full interview with Tiafimo Lopez is available on the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel. It's about 20-odd minutes there. It talks about all different aspects of stuff and fights that he's hopefully going to be making uh, in 2024. One thing that I did pick up from that conversation is that he did go through a little bit of a tough time, personally, of which maybe affected some of his performance professionally. The, the, um, the sparkle in his eye his back you yeah. know that little bounce well, yeah. we've met him a couple of times and yeah. when you've met him previously he's a cheeky little chap you know what I mean he's got a little bit of swag about him it's back mate I mean listen you, you you go back to the Cambosis defeats and and even the Martin defeat and you look at that and you go there was a dip and you go is this one of those guys that seems to have peaked and he's on the decline as early as like 25 years of age or whatever but no, it wasn't like you said. There was personal problems going on outside of the ring that was affecting his performances inside of the ring. And we saw against Josh Taylor in that right. last fight. Like, he was back to his best. And you know what? I love what he said there, you know, about the best fighting the best. And, you know, we were talking about it before where you go like, you know, he don't have to be at just 135 or at 140 or 147. He's talking about, yeah, give me them fighters. Give me the Haney's. Give me, like, let me go through these guys. I want to fight the best. I love that. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what boxing's all about. And boxing does need that. Mm. You know, like these superstars boxing. Because, you know, around that, around that 135 up to 147, the mix, the fighters we've got in those divisions, just absolutely insane. It's kind of dominated. And I know that, listen, we've got, we're looking, we've got Josh Taylor who is... We're told maybe going up to uh, 147, but there's chat constantly about him and Jack Catterall doing it again. Jack Catterall is in that 140 mix, and uh, hopefully uh, this year Jack Catterall gets an opportunity to fight for a world title. I believe that he's involved in an eliminator with Richardson Hitchens, if yep. I'm not mistaken, of which then could propel him forward towards the IBF crown, which is Sabriel Matias, which will be a great fight. Listen, Matias could be the dark horse of the whole blooming division here. Mm. That guy hits like a blooming mule. Uh, but then the rest of it, it's dominated by America. Mm. You know, the heavyweight division. Devin Haney, Shaka Stevenson, Javante Davis, like all these guys in and around that weight. Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia. You know, just they're pound for pound stars that I'm mentioning, like just throwing out there. Like, and they, you know, there's great fights to be had. I think we get them, by the way, in the, 2024. Well, the beautiful thing about it is that you've just mentioned, like, for example, Devin, who's flying at the moment and he's, what, 23, 24 years of age? Tia Fimo's just turned 26. 
Tank is actually the oldest of the lot. I think he's about 28, 29 years of age. Ryan's same age as Devon, I think. So you, we're talking about guys that haven't even hit prime yet. Prime's like 28 through to 32 mm. for these these fellas. So we're, we're pre-prime. If they get their act together, one, generationally, they could reignite the love of the American fight fan over in the States. Because let's be dead straight about this. The majority of the American fight fans are turning towards MMA. There's nothing wrong with that because you're getting the fights that you want to see and it is incredibly competitive. But the sweet science is where it should be really at. Let's be dead straight about this. Absolutely. Listen, you, you need great dance partners to create legacies and eras. You know, when you talk about, like, Leonard Hagler, Hearns, Duran, you know, when you look at that, the Fabulous Four, and you look at those guys, and they all boxed each other. And, you know, we had every single one of those fights were great fights. You know, we are talking about modern-day fighters. Like, they, you know, they you go back in history and you look at that, and now we really appreciate what that was then, mm-hmm. right? These kids that we're talking about yeah. there, like your Shaka Stevens, Devin Haney's, um, Javante Davis, Lomachenko, all those guys, you look at them and you go, there could, there could be something really, really special there in years to come. Hugely. When you look back at it and you go, you know, like, like I say, you know, it's all about modern eras, legacies and whatnot. And if these, all these guys get it on and they mix it, whether that's at 140 or 147, Tifimo in there as well, you just go, we may look back on this in 10, 15 years' time and go, what an era. Well, th- that's the point that I'm trying to make. You look at Crawford Spence, that best fight of last year, best performance of last year, definitely from Terence Crawford. Both guys, 34 and over, yeah. of, a, of a certain age. So you're limiting the time of being able to get a rematch or a trilogy. If you look back at the old school, go and look at Sugar Ray Leonard's bumming record of when he was fighting Hearns, when he was fighting Duran, when he was fighting these guys. He was fighting them in his 20s, early yeah. 20s, and he had time off, then came back and then did it all again. These guys have an opportunity to recreate that now for us. Fight each other. Have one, have two, have three. You fight him, you fight him, you fight him. You'll make a ton of cash and you will reignite the love of the American fight fan back towards boxing. They could do something very, 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 very special. Absolutely. Listen, I think it's a reality as well, by the way. I really do think it's a reality and I do think we get those fights. I think we get our wish list for 2024. Mate, come on. Here we go. Let's get on a plane. Let's get cracking. The full 20-minute conversation with Tiafimo Lopez is available on the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel, so you can go and have a little bit of a watch of that if uh, that uh, tickles your fancy. One thing that definitely will tickle your fancy is what is going down in the heavyweight division this year. We had a big discussion on the show about what is coming up in February and March. Right then, Monday is when Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou will sit on a top table together at the first... Uh, press conference for the showdown which is taking place in March. Speaking on MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani, Francis Ngannou believes he will provide more problems for Anthony and Joshua uh, than the opponents AJ fought in 2023. Here's what the heavyweight fighter had to say. He looked amazing. He looked amazing. I mean, respect to him, congratulations to him. Um, he was doing his job properly. His speed was there, everything. He was sharp, very sharp. But on the other hand, I think there wasn't a response in front of him. I mean, I mean, I think I will have a better response in front of him that will put him not in such comfortable situation, position. So things will change. Things will be different. I will not stay there and just look at him. Mm. You know, no, it's different. It's going to be different. When I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some bombs out there, it's, when you deal with, I think he's going to be mindful of what he's doing. Go on, Francis. That's what we like. A little bit of fighting talk as we build up towards uh, uh, what is coming our way in March. AJ versus Ngarni. When you heard the news that that was going to be the fight to close out Riyadh's season, Spence, what did you think? Going off the back of Ngarni's performance against Tyson Fury, I go, I like that fight. I like it. I think that Francis Ngarni proved that he can compete with the top-level heavyweights out there right now. You know, forget Tyson Fury and the condition that he was in and whether he took it too lightly or not. Francis Ngannou went in there and he had a game plan and he delivered it. And I think that what we found out is, one, he can take a shot. You know, two, technically he's quite good. You know, and, you know, he, he was landing the big bombs. And you, you can guarantee that he will feel that Anthony Joshua's weakness is probably around his chin and his ability to take a shot. 
And I think that that's, you know, he's, we, we've heard him talking about that in other interviews. And he feels that he wants to get in there, you know, get up close, get rough, and try and land those big bombs. And one thing we know is he can whack. So it's like, listen, interesting fight. I like it. What about you? Yeah, I think it makes an awful amount of sense, mate. And the reason why it makes an awful amount of sense is because of what happened in the fight between Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. Mm. Let's be dead straight about it, right? The heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson Fury, fighting a guy on his boxing debut was madness. It was bonkers. But we understand why it all came about. A few quid, eyeballs, crossovers. We're living in a different time now, aren't we? If Saudi Arabia wants something, Saudi Arabia are highly likely to be able to get something. So we ended up getting this fight play out. Now, me, I am in the camp that Tyson Fury didn't take it seriously. Sure. Didn't train properly. Rocked up. Even booked another date on December 23rd to have a go with Alexander Usyk. Now, that's a proper proper fight which we're going to get on February 17th. That didn't materialise because of what happened in the fight with Francis Ngannou. I look at that fight and I think to myself, the worst version that I've seen recently of Tyson Fury still managed to get a decision against the best version in a boxing ring that we've seen of Francis Ngannou. You're right in what you're saying. He came out, he had a wonderful jab, he held his form really well, switched stances great, looked great as a southpaw, mm -hmm. countering fantastic, off the back foot, very patient, loads of things that nobody on the planet has the receipt for pre-fight that Francis Ngannou was going to go and do. Everybody told me he had power. I knew he had power. I watch him all the time in the UFC. I know he's got power. Could he land the power? That was the big thing. Well, yeah, he did. And in my opinion, he did so because Tyson Fury took it lightly. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yep. The element of surprise is now gone. You have data. You have a blueprint. You've got at least a little bit of something to look at and go, I've seen him as a boxer now. I know what he does. There is absolutely no way whatsoever that Anthony Joshua takes Francis Ngannou lightly. He's going to train for him like he's the greatest fighter on the planet. And you're going to get a really good version of Anthony Joshua. You're going to get a good version of Francis Ngannou. Of course you are. But, and this is where I've got a bit of a gripe when people come at me saying, oh, you're under, you're being harsh on Francis Ngannou. You're underestimating Francis Ngannou. No, mate, I'm just using logic. Now, I might be wrong mm -hmm. because for me... If Francis Ngannou's going to win this fight, he has to defy logic. That's what he's got to go and go and do. Because he's a fighter that's had one professional fight and he lost it. Whether you think he won it or not, it does it, it's relevant. He lost the fight. Yes, he lost it to Tyson Fury, but it was the worst version of Tyson Fury. He has got to do something that makes no logical sense to me. He's fighting an Olympic gold medalist. He's fighting a two-time unified heavyweight world champion. If you think I'm being disrespectful to Francis Ngannou, you're being disrespectful to Anthony Joshua. This, we're, listen, we're talking about AJ. Absolutely. Listen, this is where I'm at with it now. This is this is plain and simple. Fear factor. There was no fear factor when Tyson Fury boxed Francis Ngannou. Yeah, it was the, you know, the unknown, you know, going in there, but still a man coming from one discipline into our sport should not be able to do that to the WBC heavyweight champion Correct. of the world. And the reason he done that is because Tyson Fury, yeah, I think he undertrained as well, because you can look at his body shape and you see the way that he come in and whatnot and the way that he was and performing out in Saudi Arabia. You think, well, I've just got to turn up and win. And that's what you would expect. But the main thing was there was no fear factor. Now, Anthony Joshua's seen what Francis Ngannou is capable of. He's now looking at it and he go, now his mindset will be different. Correct. He knows he's in a fight. So he'll train like he's in a fight. He'll leave no stone unturned. You know, he'll approach that fight. And that's why, yeah, I'm with you. I think that Anthony Joshua, and it looks good on Joshua then, doesn't it? You know, we see what Francis Ngannou, you know, pushed Tyson Fury the way that he pushed Tyson Fury. Anthony Joshua goes yeah. in there, gets the job done, does it in better, better style, and it creates that interest and gets that bubbling up again. Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, the fight that we've always talked about that we thought we was never going to get, but now looks more realistic than ever. Absolutely. The, the thing is, people will look at, Ngannou dropping Fury, right? And they will they will dog on Fury for, for that situation. Fury still came through and won. And like I said, the worst version of him beat the best version of Ngannou. That's because Tyson Fury is naturally that talented as a boxer. He could wing it. He could he could he could do it on the fly and figure it out as he's going along without any real game plan. There will be a proper game from from an Anthony Joshua point of view. This team up with Ben Davison, I really, really like. They will have seen things in that short period of time that they've seen on Francis Ngannou go, right, go and do this. He's obviously listening to Ben. He's obviously uh, implementing the things because he's done it against Otto Wallen. And I think Anthony Joshua will go out there and I think he will get the statement that he needs. I think he's going to get... Uh, he's going to be able to steal this narrative of which then, as you've just rightfully said, 
points us towards a fight that is absolutely 100% possible of making. Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. When you're talking legacies, eras, that fight has to happen. Two of the biggest names in the sport. It has to happen, you know, and I think that... You know, we we need that fight. We need. I think we'll get Tyson Fury back to his best against Alexander Usyk because that fear factor will be there. He knows he's got to train. He knows he's got to get his mind Absolutely. on the job. You know, and I think that we see that, and I think we get a great fight from Anthony Joshua. I think he delivers because he knows what he's going in against now. And then, and then hopefully, some point this year, we get the fight that everyone craves. Now, on the fact that it is Francis Ngannou, let's just take a step back for a second because still on paper let's be dead honest about this Olympic gold medalist two time unified heavyweight world champion been in 12 world title fights he's been there done it got the t-shirt at the elite level of professional boxing Anthony Joshua he's fighting a guy that's had one fight and lost it right so on paper anybody else that doesn't know anything about this sport they come in and they look at that and they go what's that? <laughs> that's madness that should never ever on, ever on be paper, happening on paper I don't think people would watch it on no, the, no. Going so why that? is that mate that's, that's absolutely yeah. nonsense now okay just take a step back is there not a better option for Anthony Joshua to be fighting uh, during uh, uh, in this Riyadh season closer in March well it was supposed to be Deontay Wilder he dropped the ball against uh, Joseph Parker who was absolutely sensational could Joseph Parker step in and fight Anthony Joshua well we've already seen it Okay, we've already seen it. Do we need to see it again? Maybe one more from Josie Parker and then we've got a realistic conversation about him dancing again with Anthony Joshua. Okay, so what about Filip Ergovic? Well, yeah, that makes sense. If there's a world title on the line, IBF can't confirm that there's going to be an IBF title on the line. So what's the point in doing that? Well, let's do Big Bang Zhang. Well, hang on a minute. We're talking about Anthony Joshua. With all due respect to him, does he need eliminators? Does he need to have an interim title to go and get himself back to the top table? No, he doesn't really, does he? Because... If he's winning and he goes and steals the narrative of Francis Ngannou, who allegedly beat Tyson Fury, then all of a sudden he's got the narrative that propels him into the fight with Tyson Fury. It's called a business. It's called a business and you just explained it and broke it down perfectly. Zhele Zhang, why would you fight him unless there was a world title on the line and you had to fight him? You know, he's big, southpaw. They boxed in the Olympics, you know, back in 2012. Zhele Zhang had Anthony Joshua on the floor in that as well. Joshua won... 15-10, I believe, right. in that fight, in the quarterfinal. It was a tough fight. Why would you fight him unless it's the world title on the line? So, look, you look at the way that the landscape is moving, and you're right in what you say about the Filip Hergovic situation. The IBF, I don't think, would be vacant by that time. That was the only time that fight was ever going to happen. And if the fight does happen, and I believe that happens next, after Joshua comes through and gone. But from a business point of view, and from a visual point of view as well, I think, I think it's something that, you know, from a commercial point of view, I'd look... I, I'm actually intrigued to see the fight. Yeah, but listen, you're, you're, you're a boxing hardcore, right? This is your life. This is your game. You, you know boxing, okay? If you just... The, the real money in boxing is with the casual audience. The people that are sports fans, football fans, all that type of thing that come for the big ones. And they come for the heavyweights. That's what they come for, right? All they will see is that guy put Tyson Fury on his backside. That's it. They don't, they don't want to know about the training. They don't want to know about X, Y, and Z. They saw the visuals of a fight that played out, and that fella who's never boxed before yeah. put him on his bum. Right. Put him in with AJ then. Yeah. And if AJ batters him, which is a real possibility that he could do, then all of a sudden, AJ's back. Well, look what AJ did to this fella. Right, let's get him in with Tyson Fury. And that's it. And the crossover as well, like the crossover. Francis Ngannou in his own discipline, UFC, is absolutely huge. I was speaking to a guy about this fight when when um, Francis Ngannou was made with Tyson Fury. I was speaking to a guy, the casual that you're talking about. We're speaking, and I said, yeah, silly fight, innit? He went, yeah, silly. He said, why would Tyson Fury get in with Francis Ngannou? I went, no, I'm talking the other way, mate. <laughs> I went, they're getting... But he couldn't work it out. He's going, help He'll murder him. He says it's a one-sided fight. I went, no, but he's coming into Tyson's discipline. Tyson's not going into... But he still couldn't work it out. He was the casual fan you're talking about. So, look, there'll be a huge interest in it. Now, listen, just to finish this off, I'm not completely writing Francis Ngannou off. He's proven you that can't. he can hold his form. Yeah. He's got a, a good style about him. He's a lot better of a boxer than anybody could have even equated for. And he's developing. He's getting better. He's obviously gone away and worked even further. And he has the power... If you've got the equaliser in this game, you have half a chance. And he's got the technical ability. I mean, there anyone that thinks this is a one-sided fight needs to give their head a wobble because it's not a one-sided fight. I think Francis Ngannou, yes, he is 0-1, but he's proven. And he's proven against the best. What I'm saying to is... To an extent. Uh, no, to an extent. To an extent. Come listen, on. that was a close fight. 
Yeah, I, 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 listen, I'm on record saying that I thought he won it. That's what I'm saying. So, all right, I know it was not the Tyson Fury that we know, and it's not the Tyson Fury we're going to see against Alexander Usyk, but France and Garnu went in there, and he put up a shot fight. So I'm going, listen, this has, you know, he's got the... He's got the technical ability to keep, cause Joshua some problems. It's going to be an interesting fight because, like you say, he's got the old money shot. There you have it. Exciting times ahead. And you're going to hear all of that on Talk Sport in the upcoming months. Lots of things to get stuck into on the podcast and on the boxing YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to the whole lot. Come and join us next week. We're live in Liverpool for Natasha Jonas versus Michaela Meyer. All going down on Talk Sport. First live boxing of the year set for a cracker. We'll see you then. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.